0: this is the narrative shift podcast where we talk about faith justice race and everything in between hey i'm terence lester and i'm johnny taylor and uh thanks for tuning in
1: welcome to episode seven of narrative shift last week we talked about ignorance and how it can be hurtful to others. And we actually got a chance to s- sit down and listen and discuss some actual uh, sound bites from people experiencing homelessness. Yeah, they Which, were good too, yeah, man. It's really cool. Uh, I know it was a little different, but this week we are talking about you, yeah. the listener, how you can be part of the solution as we are going over chapter six of Terrence Lester's book, I See You.
0: Yeah. And in talking about you, uh, we mean you. Like, why owe you? Right. Not the person (laughs) sitting next to you in the car. Not uh, the person on your job or a fellow churchgoer. Not uh, your friend or a close associate. We're not talking about uh, people that you don't even know because sometimes we... You know, uh, when we think about being a part of the solution, we try to like put it off on like an institution or a right. church body or the government or some other person. We're talking about you, right? Yeah. Um, and in talking about you, uh, w- we can't we can't uh, not talk about all of the issues uh, that are you know present in our culture, man. And when I think about asking people to just kind of like be a part of the solution for themselves. We we have to start with knowing that people just feel overwhelmed. Um, I feel overwhelmed at times. You know, I pick up my cell phone and, you know, I'm casually scrolling through social media and I see one incident happen, you know, uh, whether it was a, a police shooting of uh, an a unarmed you know, person who was a person of color, a black person, or like a homeless man being locked up. I read an article not too long ago about a guy that uh, was locked up uh, for three months because the cashier accused him of having a fake $10 bill, mm-hmm. which the uh, case was thrown out of court because they found out that the $10 bill was actually... Uh, real to, you know, people talking about gentrification that's happening, you know, across the country, man. Like, when we look at our cell phones sometimes and we are, you know, scrolling, man, injustice in the world is prevalent. It's widespread, but it will make you feel overwhelmed
1: at times. Right. I agree. I mean, even in the past few weeks, like, we've seen Turkey invade North uh, Syria Mm. into Kurdish land and... um slaughter innocent people and at the same time we've seen police officers uh kill unarmed people in their own houses yeah man that was sad Mm -hmm. and we i mean like you said it's just like every day there's something new some new injustice for us to not only to care about but to weigh down on us yeah
0: and you know the normal response to um Man, I call it social media trauma. You know, we when we normally think about trauma, we think about like, well, dad wasn't there, or you know, um, some type of other trauma that stem from a family of dysfunction. But man, there's just trauma, just like reading all of this horrible news and all of the injustices uh, that happen. And people really wrestle with this idea of what is my role in all of this how How do I contribute um which some people can be paralyzed by the these injustices, right?
1: yeah, and I think when looking at that question, what is my role, we also have to wonder, like how big is my role mm. like that's good you know, is a tweet enough right about a situation like this or, or is there a post some or hashtag yeah which yeah. there some deeper involvement that is required of me
0: yeah um people I know I felt this before uh where man it was just so much information like content was having happening uh back to back injustices after injustices man you feel you feel so overwhelmed where you just literally feel like you want to disengage and unplug. And, uh, you know, when we think about, uh, these injustices and we see them, you know, uh, over and over and over again, because we we have access in this digital age to so much information. We have to ask, uh, you know, is it right for us to just become paralyzed and do nothing? Um, Are we just to, you know, sit behind the screens of our phones and, you know, maybe tweet out something, maybe post something in our stories or maybe acknowledge it or like somebody else's post. But, you know, the normal response sometimes is just to disengage because it feels overwhelming. Uh, People don't necessarily think that their contribution to an issue will actually solve it. Um, and we have to, to wrestle with this, you know, is, is your contribution, whatever level you give, is it enough? What do you think, John?
1: Hmm. Yeah, man, that's a difficult question to, to wrestle with. And I feel like that can almost like, it leads us into a deeper state of paralysis where we think, Mm. man, clearly I, as an individual, am not capable of tackling this problem. So. Maybe it's somebody else's problem. Right. So, I mean, what are some other reasons, like, you think that people think that injustices that are going on every day in the world are somebody else's problem? that it's not their own personal problem. There's distance. Like, why do you think people maintain that uh, thought pattern about injustices? Yeah, I think people, firstly,
0: kind of, like, underestimate uh, their own influence and underestimate you know their own skill sets or what they have to offer uh, to the bigger issue at large. I also, think that it's very easy for us to, you know, uh, put it off on politicians and nonprofit leaders or pastors of communities of faith or uh, people who are activists or you know, you know, social advocates. It's very easy just to say, hey, you know, I'm just, you know, so and so. I have very limited capabilities. And, uh, you know, I would just rather see somebody else tackle the problem. But I love ML King's philosophy, man, because he had this idea that we are a global village, uh, that we're all interconnected and that each person's contribution uh, makes the experience of the human life, the human life experience a little bit better. And so, you know no matter how big or how small somebody's contribution is i think that we all have something to give what would you say
1: yeah i agree i mean you look at all these all these problems and at the at the end of the day there is something that you can do mm. no matter how small you might think it is yeah it's still impactful even if it is just a tweet that could that tweet could be the catalyst in someone else's life that pushes them toward, and that ultimately can push towards larger social change.
0: Yeah, man. Um, Just uh, earlier today, um, you know, I was, we were at uh, a local body of faith in the city of Atlanta, and uh, I remember just, like, tweeting earlier something about the you know, uh, giving a talk and advocating for the homeless, and somebody off of social media actually showed up, um, to learn more about how they could contribute, uh, in a way because they that you know started to feel like they had something else to offer, uh, this life, and they showed up, had no idea, just putting out. You know, uh, a small post would actually inspire somebody to show up, become educated, and even think of ways that they could contribute their their skill set uh, to make a different uh, make a difference in the world. And I think we forget um, that us, when we say us, that means all of us working together as a community can make a huge difference together. Yeah. Uh, when we are isolated, uh, when we uh, you know you know discover these injustices and think about these things and we become paralyzed and and we become isolated of course we uh, we by ourselves can't do anything but like if we were to join up uh with a group with a community of faith with a body of believers with somebody else who is doing important work maybe our small con- contribution can be multiplied uh when we are
1: working with somebody else yeah that's so true I mean, you think like one, one drop of rain doesn't do anything, but a downpour causes a flood. That's true. I mean, that's how change works is uh, we have a quote, um, which is, I know this is a little early in the notes, but it's from Margaret Mead and it says, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. A small group. Yeah, and she goes on to say, "Indeed, it is the only thing—the only thing that ever has, like the only thing that's ever caused change in this world—is a small, committed group." And um, that's good. You know, like you—you you mentioned uh, Dr. King earlier, and there were many, many people who came before. Um, yeah, that paved the way. But at the end of the day, he had to make this decision where it was him by himself putting himself, his, his own body, his own family yeah. on the line for what he believed in. Yeah. And it was just that small step, that small individual that grew into a large movement. To I mean, this day in 2019, there's not a single American who does not know his name and what he stood for.
0: Right. It, it was a ripple, man, mm-hmm. um, that is still having impact even even to this day. Um yeah, man. I you know, I I think we even have to to ask the person who may be listening to this, what is what is the contribution that you can make? You know, at at its smallest scale, is it, you know, volunteering an hour a month. You know, uh, when you add that up, that's 12 hours in an entire year. You know how much, how many things you could do with 12 hours in an entire year. Um, I remember uh, a volunteer started volunteering with us and uh, she, you know, she would always come in. It was this older lady and she would always talk about how Um, she was excited that she was going to be able to put a kid through college. And we were just kind of blown away that she would want to do this first, but like how much money she had saved to give a a child or a, a free, you know, free college, you know, education. And we started to ask her like, how, how were you able to do this? Are you a millionaire? Like what's going on? And she started saying that, she started like investing in a a small account and allowing the compound interest like add up over time wow uh because she had this vision to uh give someone a head start who may have not had access to like uh funds to go to college and over time it grew and grew and grew and she uh used all this compounded interest, interest to actually you know bless somebody with a college education and it made me think about like how small things do add up over time mm-hmm. you know uh you never know how using your skill set just for an hour a week or an hour each month could literally change the trajectory of someone's life um the reason why i'm involved in doing uh, the type of work that i do is because you know People made small deposits in my life over time that added up that, like, literally changed my life. God used it to change my life where I wanted to, in turn, give back to other people who uh, may have not had access. And I started to realize that it wasn't about how much I could give. It was just about my faithfulness to God and wanting to do something. Yeah. You know no no matter how small, no matter how big, I just wanted to get involved and do something, and many people stay paralyzed because they're afraid of
1: doing something yeah, it's good what i mean what was that breakthrough moment for you where where you realized that I can be part of the solution, and not only that, but I can be yeah. catalytic in solving the problems, yeah,
0: man. <clears throat> You know, honestly, man, um, you know, people, everybody has something that they're battling. I don't care who you are. You know, you could be the richest of the rich or, you know, uh, not have as much as, you know, your next door neighbor. But everybody's battling something. Um, It's how you interpret your pain or the things that you're going through that he, that will either empower you or oppress you. And I had um, this mentor of mine that I think I've mentioned him a couple of times, but he would always talk to me about how never allow what you're going through to define you. Never allow, you know, where you are in life to oppress you, you know, a lot of those things to empower you. And so I started to see my own personal story, not as something that would hold me back, but something that would empower me to relate to other people going through the same issues. And there are many people that feel so overwhelmed, not just by injustices, but by their own personal pain and think that they are held captive by that pain but not, not necessarily realizing that God can redeem that pain and use the pain that you're experiencing yeah. uh, to deliver other people. And so for me, that breakthrough moment of knowing that I had something to contribute and offer came when I made the mental shift of thinking, hey, no, I'm not being held back. Hey, I'm, I could allow God to use you know, what I've gone through to uh, empower other people. Yeah. What about you, man?
1: Wow, that's good. Man, um, it's funny. Like, I grew up in a large family, um, Mm. and I was like a middle child. There was like a couple years in between me and my uh, next sibling. Oh, wow. So, like, I always kind of grew up not realizing that I mattered, if that makes sense. Oh, wow, man. Uh, As a middle child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, for sure. Big family, like. Uh, you know, the, the new baby needs a bunch of attention. So you yeah. just kind of get pushed off to the side a little bit. And I right. didn't have a lot of time to, you know, be that, uh, that new child. Um, right. so I was like, you know, became independent, but at the same time in the background, there was this thought that like, I don't really matter that much. I'm just mm-hmm. kind of like a side character. Wow. And, um, there's this, uh, T.S. Eliot poem, um, I believe it's called The Love Song of Alfred J. Prufrock. Okay. That says um like he just goes through and kind of like talks about how almost meaningless his life is and it's kind of depressing. Um but I always related to that poem growing up. But later on um I you know through church and a faith community I started to realize that there's this bigger story I could be a part of that Jesus mm. was calling us to. But funny enough, um, the thing that attracted me to that was that God stood up for the meek and the oppressed mm. and the the person who felt like their story didn't matter. He stood up for them. And I was like, oh, I'm attracted to this because God is standing up for me. But what I didn't realize is God not only does that, but he's calling me yeah. to stand up for the for the oppressed and the meek and the overlooked the yeah. overlooked the marginalized mm. and that in order to do that he's gonna he's gonna call me to things beyond my courage and beyond my capabilities to speak out for these people and that's good. Man I just realized that like God has something so much so much bigger than just uh doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, right, man, anything is bigger than doing nothing. But God has something so much grander than even the smallest ordinary life. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, I I was reading this stat about how like
0: 40 percent of people experiencing homelessness, which I think the percentage may be a little higher, um, but 40 percent of people experiencing homelessness, hadn't eaten in the last couple of days, Mm. you know, and you know, if your contribution is just like giving somebody a meal, not just giving it to them, but like sharing a meal with somebody and and really getting to know their story, then maybe um, that's enough. If your um, role is praying for somebody Mm. who hasn't had anybody to pray for them and God knows how long, you know, like even if we just take a moment to pause, let me just ask you how, how many pre- people have prayed for you? Like out loud, not just i I'm praying for you. And like you never yeah. hear any prayers, but like just pray for you. Um, you understand how, how big of a con- contribution that is. It, even if your contribution is giving a person a ride or helping somebody write a resume it does not matter how small you may think that your contribution is. Yeah, It's just that you make a contribution. And that's what happened to me, man. Similar to you, I realized uh, that God had saw me, that he sees me even now um, every single day of my life. And every time I think about it, it's humbling. Uh, it it humbles you to know that the God of the universe not only sees you, but sees every single person that he created mm-hmm. in his own image and calls them son and daughter and loves them. Loves them enough to pursue them, right? And so that overwhelms me. And, you know, I know I want to uh, model that yeah. uh, to other people who are overlooked, just similar to what you were describing, man. Like when I see somebody was outcasted or like marginalized or overlooked. I want to extend that same love and grace because, uh, what I've learned is that God moves and answers through people, Mm -hmm. but through people who are willing to be available. And, um, we need more people that are available. Mm. Um, not just to, you know, share love, with those people who are living on the streets who are experiencing homelessness and poverty. But like, what about your family member that's been rejected? What about the person on your job that nobody talks to? What about the person in your school that everybody walks past? You know, um, there's so many different opportunities around us. And I think that, um, we just have got to be awakened to the fact that, uh, we are called to share the love of God in that way.
1: Yeah. And a few weeks ago we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we never really know where somebody lies on that hierarchy and we never at the same time we never really know what how small of a how small of a thing can change and move that person up. Right. We never know, but when it comes down to it, it's about being obedient to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit has laid on you to to act on, yeah, and it could be something really small in our minds, like you know get buying somebody a sandwich or uh just hey, uh, man, I just feel like I need to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you for? like you never know how big of an impact that can have right on someone that's that's so true, man um
0: But people tend to think of their contribution or their, uh, of themselves like as being small contributors. And I love this quote by Barack Obama. He says that change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones that we've been waiting for, we are the change that we seek. And I think that is a challenge uh, to us all, man. That you know, it's not it's not for us to put it off for another time. It's not for us to wait for somebody else to do something. It's not for us to, you know, um, just only hope that change comes. It it, change actually happens that if we jump in, we roll up our Mm -hmm. sleeves, and that we become doers ourselves. Yeah,
1: man, that uh, reminds me. Of something dr. King said uh, he said that time is not neutral it is not like a like a bystander like if you're not doing anything then evil is working and it's progressing mm. and that uh, makes me think like if if we're not being part of the solution do you think that actually makes us part of the problem
0: well <sighs> I wouldn't say that you are a problem, but I would say that if you're not doing anything, then you're, then you're allowing the problem to persist. Hmm. You know, there's some people who just love to sit around and point out the problem, but not actually like involve themselves in actually doing something to uh, change the problem. And, you know, it was Gandhi that said that we had to be the change that we want to see in the world. And, you know, I would, I would just push you even further to say, you know, what change are you making now? What, what change do you desire to see? Um, but also how are you being involved so that you ensure that that change happens? And if it doesn't happen nationally or globally, how are you allowing, your involvement to make that change a reality in your current context, in your community, two miles down the road from you, you know, how are you, how are you doing the small things, um, that creates the change that you want to see?
1: Yeah. And Edmund Burke says the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Yeah. And I feel like we can replace that word evil with any injustice. Really. We could we could put in, um, Hunger yeah, hunger or homelessness or sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. Anything. Yeah. Um even loneliness. Yeah. It's for good men to do nothing. Yeah. Mm. And man. Well, we've got to do something, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love this uh verse that you uh have. It's uh first John three and verse seventeen. It says, If we see a need, we are responsible to that need. That is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That if you see a need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, No matter how small. Right. Our responsibility is to to serve God in a way that we respond to the need. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. It says, um, like, if any one of you sees a brother in need and you have means Mm. to essentially fix that for him, is the love of God even in, in you if you don't? Wow. Man, that and I know we've talked about that verse before on this podcast, but that I mean, that's like a it's a biblical commandment to yeah. to be the one, be the change.
0: Yeah. And many people, you know, often ask, like, where do I start? You know, how do I start? Um, and I would say the first thing is this, man, uh, you've got to find margin uh, to make a difference. Um, you know, and when I, when I, you know, describe margin, I'm talking about creating enough time in the rhythm of of your life where you get constantly be available. Maybe God wants to do great things through you, but you're not available. Right. Because you don't have any margin, you know? And so the first step is kind of like creating space and time in your uh, life where you can, do small things to make a difference. And the second thing would would be this, which is a even harder challenge is to make yourself uncomfortable. You know, uh, it's very easy to go with the flow. Um, and it's even harder to go against the flow or to go upstream. And, you know, maybe the difference that you're needing to make is to make yourself uncomfortable where you can go upstream. um, you know, some people are so comfortable that they can't see any difference uh, needed to be made because they're, you know, around the same people and, right. you know, they just kind of do the same routine day in and day out. But um, what if you have the skill sets to go in, into a different environment where the need is so great uh, that your skill and your passion would match the need and uh, produce change? What if that's the environment that you uh should go in. But that environment is uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't allow that in uncomfortable environment to scare you away uh, from going to serve God in a tremendous way. And then the last thing is, man, you don't even have to start big, start small. Mm-hmm. Um, there are little things that you can do each and every day. And um, let me ask you though, John, like, have you seen somebody, you know, start small, Or do a small thing to make a huge difference?
1: Yeah. I mean, everyone I've ever seen make a big difference started with small decisions. And even Mm. if that was something as simple as a personal habit, like I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to read my Bible Mm. or I'm going to sit down and write or Mm. I'm going to pursue connections that will help position me to uh, speak up Yeah, to To advocate. Yeah, to advocate for people experiencing different injustices.
0: Yeah. I knew one lady that would just, um, she had met a guy and she told me that um, she was committing, you know, seven days a week just to eat breakfast with this guy. Um, She started doing that. Over and over, and found out that this guy had a, a knack for like lawn care and all this stuff, and then invited uh, this guy to you know provide lawn care for her yard. And her neighbors got involved and, and started saying, "Oh, your your lawn looks great." And next thing you know, this guy was cutting everybody's grass in the entire neighbor neighborhood, and everybody surrounded him and helped him start a lawn care business. Uh, self-sufficient at this point, and w- and w- what I'm saying is, you never know how something small could lead uh, to a huge impact in an individual's life or even an individual community. Um, and and so, uh, but the first thing we have to do is just kind of move past the fear and take the step. Right? Mm-hmm. Would you say?
1: Yeah, and I think, man, I'm thinking back to um, to Nehemiah in the mm, Bible. It's good. Uh, um, and Nehemiah realized that the the wall, like Jerusalem was like... I in mean, ruins. It was, des- it was in ruins, it was yeah. desecrated, the wall was um, non-existent. And it says the first thing he did was he sat down and wept. And then he cried out to God and mm. repented of, uh, basically just repented of inaction. Mm. Um, allowing this to happen in the first place. But then he says, okay, how can I be a part of the change? Yeah. And man, one thing that Andy Stanley always says is, what breaks your heart? Mm. And then he follows that question up with, uh, change it. Like, wow. do something about it.
0: Yeah. What does break your heart? You know, what, every time you see it, whatever injustice it is, what is it that breaks your heart? What is it the, that makes you mad? And I heard, you know, this one preacher said that mad is an acronym for uh, make a difference. Hmm. You know, whatever makes you mad in a certain area is also the area that you're
1: called to make a difference in. Right. Because, that's, I mean, thats that anger comes from God. Hmm. And, I mean, God is causing your heart to be broken over things which means he wants you to change it. Yeah. It's not just a passing feeling, it's a calling. Yeah. Yeah, and um we
0: have an opportunity and you know to be responsible to take responsibility over that and and share our compassion in that which is upsetting to us. But um in closing, man, like what would you say you know, if a person is listening to this and they said, I know what makes me mad and they just, whatever it is, what would you encourage them to do with that right now?
1: Man, I would say find out what the next step to change that thing is. Mm. Um, For instance, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that uh, poverty and homelessness is something that makes you angry. What is the first step for you to, to be part of that solution? Mm. It could be volunteering at a homeless shelter. It could be something bigger. Um, but that, I mean, that can go for any cause. Like what is, what is the next step? What is an organization or individual you can partner with that is doing the work that you can help further? Uh, mm. how can you use your voice to advocate for whatever it is you're passionate about mm yeah, just figure out that first. Even if it's a tiny step, figure out that first step. Yeah,
0: and then you know, just after that, it's just like figuring out how your schedule is. You know, looking at the rhythms of your schedule, yeah, and figuring out how you can uh, find find a group of people who are already involved doing this stuff. And I, I would just say, like, move into action just get proximate to it, you know, start volunteering, start making phone calls, start, you know, uh, volunteering with organizations, start doing something. And I I believe in that you can, you will be even uh, more clear about what it is that you're supposed to do and making a difference in this area than you were by sitting around just doing absolutely nothing. And so, you know, I, I would say that is the challenge of this podcast uh, is to know that first and foremost, you're a part of solution. Uh, but secondly, that if it's making you upset that this is something that probably
1: is a, a call for you, yeah. that you, you should be involved in some way. Yeah. And use that anger and that discomfort as a catalyst for change. Yes. I mean, don't just sit there and let it stew in you. Yeah. You use it as, as fuel.
0: Yeah, because things will stew, stew in you, and you can fall into the to the trap of uh, just always, you know, talking about it or you know shutting down about it and and doing absolutely nothing about it. Right,
1: and and it can make you bitter. It can make you uh, close off to the world, but yeah, and isolated. Let, too. Yeah, but when you let that happen, the only thing that changes is you. Yeah, like you're the only one who's affected by that, and it's not a good impact you there is negative and man so like I said just use that as fuel lean in when something yeah uh, breaks your heart or makes you angry lean in
0: yeah that's good man well uh, we just want to say thank you guys for uh, listening to episode number seven we've done seven episodes already man this cool. is yeah. crazy it's cool man and if you uh, like what you hear please share You know, uh, subscribe to our Apple channel uh, narrative shift on Apple, Uh, leave a review, uh, send it out to your friends, somebody who may need to hear this, but ultimately uh, keep listening. Uh, We're going to discuss so much more information and hopefully uh, that information will empower you to be part of the solution. Uh, So, Johnny, man, how can people follow you on
1: social media? So I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Johnny Taylor ninety five. That is J O H N N Y T A Y L O R ninety five. What about you, Terrence? Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm
0: Terrence Lester. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's I M T E R E N C E L E S T E R, and you can follow our organization uh, at Love Beyond Walls. Um, or you can follow our new uh, museum, Dignity Museum, and that's uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to get involved in anything that we have going on, you can check us out at lovebeyondwalls.org.
1: Uh-huh. I, and again, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next time.